I think we should start things off strong. Into the wonderful, the wonderful, into the wonderful, the wonderful, into the wonderful, into the wonderful. So there you have it, folks. Episode twenty of Dork Tunes. Uh, just our usual hellos. Hi, DBC. Hi, noob. I can't believe we've got to episode twenty. It's amazing. I know, episode 20. It always amazes me when we get another episode in the can and out the door, you know. Um, it's always something that I love to do, and obviously you do too. I do, and we've so, got a special one for you this time. Yes, a very special one. Shall we let them in the secret? GMC. What could that mean? Game Music Connect, of course. Well, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So, obviously, you know, some people may not know what Game Music Connect is. Um, so, I think we should give them maybe a little bit of information about it. Um, GMC is an event every year that started last year in 2013. Um, <clears throat> James Hannigan uh, is one of the curators of it, and John Broomhall has been uh, the kind of presenter at it. And it's basically a collection of kind of famous folk from the gaming music fraternity, shall we say, uh, discussing kind of issues of the day, you know, around composing, about how to get into the industry, and it's, you know, for composers and music lovers alike. And basically, it's the best thing that I go to every year. Uh, it's brilliant. Um, I think it this was. year was my second it one, was. and I mean, this year was your it's first. It's fair to say that we were sort of a bit like super fans there, and a lot of the people that go to that event are yes. wannabe composers themselves. So, you know, they're all coming at it from a technical perspective mm -hmm. and a and a musicality perspective, and and we we sort of complement that because we're we're there appreciating. The output of it all and giving it a totally different spin you know that perhaps uh, the, the technical side doesn't see as well which is which was great so sort of balanced balanced a lot of the questions and uh, discussions yeah and I think yeah definitely and there was a, both of us we got um, in our <laughs> dog tunes um, hoodies we got recognized um, we got papped. If you go on the Game Music Connect uh, website, you will see our lovely selves uh, later on in the pictures, uh, which are brilliant. Um, it caught both of us, well, it caught me mid-question ask. So um, I was asking Gary Scheinman a question, um, which was lovely. Uh, I think, you know, GMC attracts some phenomenal guests and you know, it's put together by an incredible team. I mean, this year alone, we had people like uh, Jessica Curry, um, Oliver de Riviere. You know, Jessica did, obviously, Amnesia War for Pigs recently. Oliver did um, Remember Me, Jason Graves, you know, The Dead Space is the newest Tomb Raider. Um, David Houston was there, James Hannigan was there, you know, <laughs> Richard Jacques. Just, and the one and the only, Gary Scheiman. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than Gary Scheiman, you know. I mean, Mario Donald was at it last year. 
um, who I got my picture taken with, and he gave me his card. Just saying. It was such a relaxed um, atmosphere, and, and you know what? Everybody. They're, they're all so very different as well. Lovely, so it's not they? like any of them were coming at composing from the same standpoint. And a lot of the discussions, they were sort of challenging each other's beliefs, you know, about how they do it, and and they're so different. Uh, it makes for uh, it, it was really fascinating. Um, I, I'm sure we'll cover some of that in the interview that's coming up later. Uh, how how unique mm. um, their styles are as well. So a lot of the a lot of the tracks in this episode are hand picked around those people who did appear at Games Music Connect because it'd be great yeah, for you know. great for people to uh, hear the sort of diverse range of composers that were there. Um, and also, mm -hmm. we've got a brilliant interview coming up as well with the one and only Jessica Curry. Yes. Now, on that interview, um, I will warn you, it is possibly one of the best ones I've ever done. Uh, Jessica was absolutely lovely and um, actually made me cry in a nice way with something that she said. So, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so I'm really excited for everyone to hear that. And I'm really excited for you all to hear the stuff that we've got coming up. I reckon we should just kick things off. <laughs> um, the first track we've got is from the inimitable Jessica Curry. And it's called I Have Begun My Ascent. Um, it's from a game that was released last year called Amnesia, A Machine for Pigs. Um, Amnesia. What can I say about these games? I um, I've played, sorry, the demo for Amnesia on Steam. I managed about ten minutes. You know, curtains closed, lights off, earphones in, absolute code brown. Code brown. <laughs> oh, utter code brown. You know, that's all I'm going to say on this game. You really do need to play and experience it. Um, it's absolutely terrifying, and it's not terrifying in the kind of, you know, the kind of horror movie way where they or uh, where they, the scares are quite obvious. It's the implied terror that gets you. It is absolutely the implied terror. You know, the sound design for those games phenomenal. You know, um, and Jessica and I will chat about it later on the show. So I don't want to kind of cover that too much, but yeah, amnesia. Absolutely cracking soundtrack and cracking games. So, here you go.
number one, off to a fine start. Where do we go next? The answer is we go somewhere really up to date. Uh, so Jason Graves, um, noteworthy attendee of Game Music Connect. What was really great about uh, the session, he was also able to give us a workshop um, on how you begin to layer and uh, put together certain things in the soundtrack during the game to build up some tension and create s some mood. Um, the, and the, the game that we were actually allowed to see some of the footage of was to do with uh, the current reboot of Tomb Raider. So it seems only fitting that I chose a track from there and we'll go for one called A Survivor Is Born. So, what we got next for you? Um, as we mentioned, this episode is quite GMC-centric. Um, Actually, to be honest, it's all GMC attendees. Uh, or speakers, sorry, should I say. This track is possibly one of my favourites. Um, 
it's from one of my favourite game series, which I hope never ever goes away, if I'm brutally honest. Uh, it's the Bioshock games. Um, this one in particular from Bioshock 2. Um, Gary Shine. It wouldn't be an episode. It wouldn't be an episode of Dark Tunes without something a little nod to yeah, Bioshock. Absolutely, um, Gary Shyman, What an incredible gentleman! Uh, met, you know, um, asked him a question at GMC, and this was his answer. It's basically what is his favorite track that he's composed um, from, kind of, you know, the Bioshock series, and it is. Pear Bond um, really is one of my favourites. This and Eleanor's Lullaby, which is just, oh, phenomenal. Uh, I think you all know, you know, my love for Bioshock. Uh, so I think we should just let you hear it. After our our nod to Bioshock, we go we go off in a totally different direction, um, and we go for something up to date, um, maybe something a bit different. We go for something from David Housden, um, and a game called Thomas Was Alone, and this particular track is called Where Are You. Um, Thomas Was Alone. Have you played this? This is a game that has passed me by. <gasps> It was on PS Plus as well. Um, I've I played know. this on the Vita, I've played this on the PS4. It's just phenomenal. Um, I never thought a game about little blocks of different shapes and sizes 
and colours could make me cry. And lo and behold, yes it did. Um, obviously you know that David was a, a guest previously on the show. Um, he was on the panel at GMC. Really lovely, you know, really, really, really lovely. Um, and Thomas was alone, was just cracking. And I'm super excited about Volume coming out this year, uh, which is uh, the new Mike Bithell game, which David is doing the soundtrack to. So hopefully when that comes out um, and it's released in the wild, we can get maybe David to come back and have a chat with us about the composing of that. Which would be awesome. So, yeah, so here you go. Where are you? up next next on the hit list quite literally um because they're all cracking tracks um is olivier de rivier de rivier um his he 
Lemire's stuff is just, there's, I mean, I think that you can definitely tell a composer's stuff by the sound, by the, for me, definitely, I can tell the difference between, say, for example, um, Grant Kirkhope and Austin and David and, you know, Jessica, there's a lot of differences, and even Jason, you know, a lot of differences. Um, I think that might just for me come from listening to them all over the years. But Olivier's stuff has definitely got something that a little bit different. Um, this is from Remember Me, which came out in 2013. Um, was also a PS Plus game, um, which I really need to finish, actually. Um, on the PS3, this is called Nylon the Memory Hunter. Remember Me, um, beautiful game with a phenomenal soundtrack. Um, the game mechanics itself, you know, kind of jump here, kick that, punch that, you know, the rest. Um, phenomenal soundtrack though, and one of the prettiest games on the PS3, without a doubt. Just wish it had that little bit more love from people. <laughs> anyway, this is well, Nylon. Oh, go on. Well, maybe this track will persuade people to take a look. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it was on PS Plus. It's, you know, cheapest chips now. You can get a physical copy down your local uh, store. Um, go and see if you can grab one. Um, play and remember me and think of Olivier and ourselves. So, yeah. Nile in the Memory Hunter.
So where next? I don't know. Something that... Well, let's see. Something that we got to have a sneak peek at uh, during Gaming Music Connect was looking at how far game music has really come along. And something that uh, one of the composers did, uh, James Hannigan, gave a workshop uh, or a bit of a demo on the tools that perhaps they used to have to hand um, and how difficult it was or, or how simplistic it was uh, to sort of layer uh, elements and pieces of music and atmospheric bits and pieces compared to how it is now and how it's very much more you interact with the environment and perhaps that enhances or guides uh, the soundtrack um, so it's really fascinating mm. to show, actually, in not a very long period of time at all. You know, we're talking a decade, no. really. And, yeah, and uh, it, the it, software is, quite is like chalk and cheese. You know, if you were to if you were to compare the two, it's really unrecognisable. And yet, the, the 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 same composers are still very much here um, and leading the way as well. In particular, with James. So it felt really it felt really appropriate to choose one of his tracks. Um, What's this one called and what's it from? Well, uh, something really, uh, really recent. Uh, it's it's from Command and Conquer 4, uh, and it's called The End of All Things. Um, just showing that he's still got it, you know. He's still able to, to put his handle on, uh, you know, headline uh, games that are, mm. you know, mass-selling, mass-appeal, um, you know, and he's... To think that where he's come from is is just a total credit to his talent.
So guess who we got to meet at Games Music Connect? We got to meet quite a few people. We did. But guess who we got a little bit of airtime with in a quiet little corner um, after the main session had finished? We were really, Ooh, I don't we know. were really, 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 really lucky to meet the lovely Jessica. And um, yes, and once the dust had settled, she kindly agreed to um, do a little interview with Dork Tunes um, with Noob, and hopefully you'll get to hear some of the best bits uh, in just a second. So, main question though, Noob, on a scale of zero to ten. How much glitter was there? How excited were you just before <laughs> putting in the Skype call? Oh my god. I had to call in the backup. You know, the 10 <laughs> foot, the 10 the ton truck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, honestly, you know, one of the funniest people you could ever speak to. Just hilarious and lovely. So would it be would it be fair to say people go and grab yourself a hot drink, kick back, turn off all the lights and just immerse yourself in the wonderful Jessica? So folks, um this is the usual part of the show where we have a lovely, fantastic guest and this week we have the ever amazing uh Jessica Curry. So Jessica, would you like to introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Hello everybody, uh, my name is Jessica Curry and um, I am a studio head at the Chinese Room and also their resident composer. Um, we're on our third game, the first one was Dear Esther, um, loved and hated in equal measures for creating the walking simulator genre. Um, second game was Amnesia, a machine for pigs which was the uh, sequel to Dark Descent, also equally loved and hated in equal measures. We tend to be quite a polarising company. And now I'm working with the Chinese Room on Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which is possibly the saddest game ever to be made. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's really, really heart-wrenching. The voiceovers have just come in for it and it is going to be a corker. So when when do we kind of expect possibly, you know, when uh, Everybody Gone Structure is going to see the light of day? Shall we it's say? definitely next year. If I give you any more details, a kind of Mission Impossible <coughs> Sony figure descends from the ceiling <laughs> and then drags me off. So. And slaps you on the wrist. <laughs> saying, shh. <laughs> I am prepared to give to your listeners at this point without <laughs> risk to myself. That's very funny. Um, <laughs> and true. <laughs> so, obviously, um, we met recently at Game Music Connect 2014, which, um, personally for me, uh, is the highlight of my year, to be honest. Um, I really enjoy Game Music Connect. I find it really inspiring. Um, I think the guests are amazing. You know the kind of viewpoints that come across, the questions that get asked by the audience. Uh, it's just generally just a fantastic day for me. Um, so obviously it was your first time, um, and you were on the panel, which. Yeah. And I have to admit this, and it was a point that you made at uh, kind of later in the day. You were the only woman on that panel. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. How, did, how did you find that? I find it increasingly baffling, to be honest. Mm. Um, I don't really understand why it's the case mm. in 2014. 
Um, I think the organisers of Game Music Connect are absolutely fabulous. I think they're so committed to providing a fantastic day for everyone. But I just don't understand why... I think partly women struggle to um, sell themselves as effectively as men. I think that's a bit of a generalisation, possibly, but I do think there are elements of truth to that. And I kind of think it's who you know as an organiser and like it or not there is an element to you know you kind of like attracts like so it's i mean a difficult one how do you find being you know a woman in the industry i mean i think it's a really interesting time to be talking about this with anita sarkeesian and gamergate and i think oh. things are coming to a head yeah and i think in a way it's really healthy i'm not saying that the debate has been ideal but i think in a way, it's the last gasp of the old guard. Yeah. And whenever real change is coming, you do get that really, really aggressive and quite violent opposition. Yeah, I have to admit, Gamergate, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold my hand up and say, you know, I don't know, I haven't delved into it quite as deeply as some others. But my God, get a new hobby, boys. Yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, it's partly... Um, it's kind of the realm of the sad teenager, but I also think we have to take it seriously. And mm. partly I think we have to take a very searching look at a lot of the content of games, which is why I'm such a huge admirer of Anita Sarkeesian's work. Mm. I think she is bright. I think she is so calm and collected. I don't know how... I was talking to um, Dan, uh, co-studio head at the Chinese Room last night, about how she retained such dignity mm. in the face of such huge huge abuse and mm. I think she is to be commended for that so what I'm trying to do at the moment is just be really positive and mm. give other women composers and game developers opportunities form networks and there's an amazing quote I don't know actually who it's by but it said rather than um, rail at the dark light a candle which sounds <laughs> deeply hippie now I've said it out loud but, <laughs> but I kind of think it's true I think yeah. rather than continuing a negative debate i'd rather take positive action and actually do something mm-hmm. um and i think it doesn't have to be polarized and it doesn't have to be oppositional it doesn't have to be men versus women i love working with men but i also want women to have equal opportunities mm. and in this millennium i don't think that's too much to ask for no absolutely not you know absolutely not um and i think you know the next kind of big subject is just around the corner really isn't it so Gamergate will kind of die its death at some point. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it's time. I kind of, I'm so confused by any form of discrimination. I feel like I'm a bit of a sort of naive child in this. I kind of think, why would you hate someone for the colour of their skin or their religion? Yeah, do you know, you've, you've just reminded me. Yeah, you've just reminded me. I saw a, a picture the other day and it was a, it was a screen grab of a text conversation. And it said something along the lines of, you know, I don't mind gay people. I just don't want to see them on my TV kissing or, you know, blah, 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 something like that. Mm. And he said, and the person responded, um, but what if they were uh, y- y- black? And they were like, oh, that's fine. You know, and they were like, mm. exactly. Yeah. Look how stupid you sound. You know, uh, it's it's daft. You know, 40 years ago. I don't know if you saw the news this week. Um, I live in Brighton Mm. and uh, a female gay couple were asked to stop 
kissing in um, Sainsbury's. It wasn't a deep yes. sexual kiss. It was a peck on the cheek, but management felt it wasn't appropriate because somebody had complained. But then a thousand people went to Sainsbury's and... Had a um, kiss in. <laughs> and I kind of think that's the kind of... Yeah. Opposition and protest that we need where it's a positive... And it's funny because... Just, sorry, God, yeah. No, sorry. It's just funny because... On the same note, a friend of mine posted on Facebook last night, really angrily, about two of her friends in the pub last night being asked to stop t- because they were doing the same thing. And you're like, it's 2014. I know. I know. It's <sighs> extraordinary. Yeah. You know. so I think all we can do at the Chinese Room, and we mm. are very, very serious about this, is just not tolerate it and actively promote inclusion. Um whether that is how we treat our staff or in the games we make mm-hmm. or the interviews that we give and push forward positivity and inclusivity. It's so important and mm. yeah, it's just unforgivable. So, Game Music Connect. Yeah. What was your highlight? It's interesting that you say about the audience and I love the audience question because <laughs> you just get thrown massive curveballs. Yeah. In a way, a conference whether it be GDC, whatever, it kind of runs on the same format, just because that's how they have to run to give people a satisfying day. But where you get the real discussion is people that have come to see you, and it's in the breaks and in lunch times as mm. well. And one guy, I don't know if you saw him, who was a more elderly gentleman who was sat at the front, came up to me at the end and he said, in a world of conformity, I really admire you for not being afraid to be different and to say what you believe in and to speak your mind and he said it's increasingly rare and I really took because I kind of got quite a lot of flack that day from yeah I remember very outspoken and it was really lovely to hear that it was okay to be forthright and increasingly I it's weird we live in a world where you either shout aggressively or you don't say anything and you conform but do you want to give us a little bit of kind of a bit of history? Tell us how you got where you are right now. Obviously, I know the I know the quip that you made on uh, at GMC, so I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> See that? I never, ever, ever, ever thought that I would be working in the games industry. If you'd have asked me that question five years ago, I would have laughed in your face and <laughs> punched you it would have been an aggressive response <laughs> but um, Dan Pinchbeck who is my husband and partner in child rearing work collaboration life and love kind of dragged me kicking and screaming by dint of making Dear Esther mm. um, he was doing his PhD in um, player behaviour and decided that the best way to work out um solve some of those questions was to make a game himself rather than just kind of studying it academically and looking at other people's games mm. so he said I mean I'd had a I studied at the National Film and Television School um, I went into sound art installation opera really really varied career and Dan and I had worked together on various projects we'd done sound walks together we'd done uh, the World Opera House we'd done a Welcome Trust Commission and it's really interesting. I'd always tried to find a really natural home for my music and nothing ever quite fit. And I wrote the music for Dear Esther and suddenly I thought, this is it. I've found 
my home. Mm. And it was really interesting as someone who'd never played a game before to write music for a game. And in a way, I think it stood me in good stead because I didn't know about the conventions. I didn't know I was breaking rules with the way I wrote the music. Mm. And um, as such, it had an incredibly warm and strong reaction. And I still get probably five, six emails a day telling from people who who love the score and who say how much it means to them and Mm. very personal stories and very, very lovely emails. It's extraordinary and it genuinely means a lot to me. Yeah, I think it kind of... I'll I'll tell you a little story. Um, A few years ago, um, probably about five or six now, um, a a really, really close friend of mine uh, unfortunately passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's fine. (laughs) No, it's not fine. The English always say it's fine. Yeah. Because we can't cope with those difficult things, but I'm very sorry. He he was a massive gamer, and he loved Halo. And his sister, um, when he passed away, he she sent a message to people on on the forum that we were on, and um, by email and Facebook and all the rest of it, uh, to everyone asking them to pick a song for the right. funeral. So um, I picked one. Uh, it was by Marty O'Donnell. Um, it was from Halo 2. Oh, um, yeah, fantastic theme. Yeah, and it was it's a track called Unforgotten. And it just, I mean, the the actual track title and the, the piece really, really just suited. And I kind of forgot about it. You know, I sent it to her and kind of just forgotten about it completely. Um, and then at the funeral itself, we were s- sat in the church and um, I'm up the top right next to the coffin, unfortunately. And um, my other friend was down towards the bottom. The place was packed. And the priest turned around and said, you know, um, let's just, you know, bow our heads and pray for a sec- for a minute. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, the track started to play. And I looked down at my friend, and he he was looking at me, and the kind of... It, it just it came into it, and the two of us just... That was us gone, you know? <laughs> Oh, I know. There's nothing like music, is there? Yeah, there really isn't, you know. And that stood, that stayed, that has, that has stayed with me for, you know, since then. And it took me a long time to listen to that track before I could not cry, you know. And now I listen to it and I smile because it reminds me of him. Yeah, it's a real journey. I think music, for me, unlike any other art form, can provide that amazing sense of catharsis, and it kind of helps you work through a process. Yeah. One of the things that I absolutely love about Dan's writing in particular is it allows us to feel those really difficult emotions. You know, both of the games in Rapture as well, they're so deep in a really proper, deep and profound way. They're about grief and love and connection and loss Mm. and longing and it's a dream as a composer to be able to write about that because I'm a very emotional person. Yeah, I'm. I, I have to. I have to. Uh, you know, um, echo that. And it, it, you know, my other half is completely the opposite of me in relation to you know, hates games, does not get it, you know, <laughs> never has. I mean, he actually said to me once, you know, shortly after he got punched in the throat, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, not by you. No, <laughs> said, why do you have to buy, uh, you know, 
new games. They're all the same. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? You know, I'm like, jeez, oh, just don't get it. Just go into the other room, lock the door, and turn <laughs> the lights off. Yeah. You know? I, mean, um, I think he has a point, to be fair. <laughs> there's a lot of um, homogenous products. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, look in the fringes. But I would say that's true of music. I'd say that's true of theatre, of yeah. art. There's a lot of conformism in, you know, the mainstream world. But I think you look around the edges and that's where you find the gold. So, on that point, when you look outwards, yeah, who do you like to see, music-wise? In terms of inspiration? Inspiration, kind of think, people you think, bloody hell, they're amazing. Or, you know, I really wish I wrote that. Or, you know, that kind of, or I really like listening to his stuff, his or her stuff, you know? I'm slightly obsessed with the music of Thomas Newman to an unhealthy degree. I think he is the best living... I mean, best, that's such a ridiculous thing to say. My favourite is so subjective, isn't it? There's well, he's the best his, to you. <laughs> something in his music mm-hmm. that I find touches me so deeply. I, mm. You know, it's almost unbearable. It's kind of like a test of your own will to see if you can get through it without completely collapsing. Yeah. I think his understanding of the moving image is very inspirational to me. The way he finesses that con- connection between the moving image and the, and the music that he writes, I think is fairly extraordinary. And it's just so beautiful. Um, Kate Bush, I absolutely love her work. Um, oh, I won't tell you a story then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you went, didn't you? Yeah. Answer. I'm still actually not really officially talking to you. <laughs> because I tried to get tickets really desperately and then Twitter was awash that day with people going, I've got Kate. <laughs> I think you might have been one of them. Yeah, I was. And I'm not going to lie, I did actually cry the whole way through. But again, to me, I think the people that I respond to are people who aren't afraid to dig really deep for that emotional connection. Tori Amos is another, oh. I think, extraordinary song. Yeah, um, you know, pianist. Yeah, she, uh, you know, I'm, I must admit, she is in my top three. Without oh, a doubt. Who are your others? Who are your other two? Um, PJ Harvey. She will oh. be number one forever. And um, old school Bjork. Oh, yay. You know, I mean, she does such amazing things with sound now, but I think yeah. she's just gone a bit... <laughs> a bit over the OTT for me. Esoteric. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, d- without a doubt. There's a rawness, isn't there, that links mm. their output. They aren't afraid to literally... They basically rip their heart out and present it to the audience. Yes. And there's something incredibly powerful because it makes you so vulnerable and so strong simultaneously as an artist, I think, mm. when you can do that. And I think the main comment that I get about my work is how exceptionally emotional it is and that it allows people, again, to feel those really difficult emotions. And I think... That's why so many of the emails that I get are about very, very personal topics. So, actually, on that Tori Amos um, thing, um, I'm going to tell you a story. I love my stories. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) I like listening to them, so fortunately we are a good combination. When I was was a wee-un, shall we say, um, it's going back 20 years. God, that's depressing. (sighs) 
Uh, anyway. Right. I'm older than you. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, when I was about 16 or so, I was obviously still in school and I was in the throes of my Torium's obsession. And around the same time, she recorded um, Boys for Pele. Yeah. And she recorded that in County Kildare, which oh, is yeah. just outside Dublin. So little old me decided on a Sunday morning, I was in my friend's house, We'd, I'd stayed over, I was like, he'd gone to work, I was like, right, I'm off. So off I trotted into Dublin um, to get the, there's a local, there's a train called the Dart, the, um, I was going to get the Dart out to uh, the end of the line and then get a bus from there to the, to the um, place where she recorded. Right. So I got into town, there's no trains because there, there was something wrong with the line or whatever, so there was a replacement bus service. So queue, it took me about three or four hours in all to get there, which something which should have taken me maybe an hour and a half. Um, I get off the bus, it genuinely is the arse end of nowhere. There is nothing around. There was literally, the church was on my right hand side, and then there was a couple of houses on the left, and that was it. And we were like top of a hill, um, top of a you know mountain, whatever. I was like, all oh, right, okay. So I saw, I stood there, and I kind of thought, right, okay, one of these houses has to be the priest's house. So I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll go for the bigger one. <laughs> so I went anyway, knocked on the door. I was like, you know, hello, is Father Blab by here? And they were like, no, he's out. Uh, is there anything we can help with? Um, and it was his wife. Uh, I said, and I explained myself, and she was really lovely. She said, "Oh well, you know, he's not here, but Andy is. You know, um, her her son." Um, so she said, she shouted for him to get the keys because the because I'd already tried, tried the church; it was locked. And he brought me. He he kind of came across and he brought me in and he unlocked it. And the whole time he was telling me about because he was there at the time when she was recording it, and he's actually on the sleeve notes as a thank you. Oh. Uh, it, you want to see it? It was just incredible. It was this teeny tiny little church in the middle of nowhere, and every single pew had individual cushions that were embroidered differently, and the sepulchre was it was it was just incredible. And they still had the box that she recorded in because she recorded in a, a kind of a special kind of box at the bottom of the church, and that was still there. And this was obviously you know at least you know, six to nine months later. Did you steal a piece of it, like the Berlin Wall? Oh, I wish I had. And, you know, I, this is the only regret I have for that day, is that I, it was obviously the time before, you know, mobile phones and camera phones and, you know, digital cameras and like that. I don't have any pictures of it. Yeah, but do you know what I think? I still have the memory. I know it sounds really cheesy, but I'm just not increasingly not a believer, believer in documentation of really special experiences yes i think having that memory is just so much better than a photo and th that story that you can go oh look it's a picture of that box yeah it's gonna be a rubbish picture <laughs> yeah it's a box not that I'm <laughs> you're photographic no i mean i have to admit you know I, I i have to admit you know i kind of agree with you you know kate bush modern obsession with documentation I yeah say a little bit of a ding dong with my dear friend austin wintery <laughs> journey yesterday about this very subject yeah i mean he posted an article which was really really thought-provoking about how orchestras are ossifying they need to modernize and one of the things in the article was people should be allowed to use social media and their phones 
and take pictures during concerts. And I just fundamentally disagree with it. I think just bloody sit still, listen, focus, concentrate, absorb. Mm. Sit still, sit on your hands. I think, you know, moderation. (laughs) Absolute moderation. I mean, I've been to a number of gigs and there was one recently. It was to see, I don't know whether you know her, Tanya Donnelly? No, I don't actually. She was in a group called Belly many, many years ago. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, massive fanboy crush, you know. Oh, Dan, husband Dan, same. Oh, so, stood there, and there was a guy kind of to the left in front of me. If he didn't put that feckin' phone down to record the whole thing, I was going to slap him. Just... Put it down, enjoy it. She's only on stage for 45 minutes. Wind it in. I you know? think it's anti-experience because mm. actually your part of you isn't there. You're not completely focused. You're out of the moment. Yeah. And it's also a kind of just, oh, I was there thing to show your friends. And that's why I am very glad you don't have a photo genuinely of that day because I just yeah. think it's a better experience yeah. for it. And I think... Nothing could ever compare to it. Kate Bush was right. She was. You know, because if I had sat there and there was people clicking away and, you know, mobile phones in front of my face, it would have ruined the whole thing. You know, genuinely, um, I think uh, they are releasing a DVD of it and I would absolutely urge you to go out and buy it on day one and just sit in a room, left alone and watch and just let it wash over you because, my God, it was astounding. Um... It's funny, actually, because you mentioned Austin before. Austin, um, I'd heard of Dear Esther and all the rest of it. It was actually Austin that pointed me kind of in your direction a a, a long time ago. Um, He tweeted a link for one of your tracks, uh, and I gave a listen. I have to admit, it's probably my favourite track of yours (laughs) now. Um, Mandus. I love Mandus. It really a uh, f- phenomenal track. Oh, you thank know. you. That means a lot to me, actually. And Austin, I have to say, has been an extraordinarily generous um, communicator of my work. And I think when you're a fellow composer, that mm. you know takes real generosity to say I really like what they're doing. And when you, especially when you're in the same industry he's an exceptionally lovely person i yes. try and hate him no i know <laughs> i'm trying to find his dark side i'm trying to find the part of him that's not so nice but yeah i, I think impossible he's awesome i know i'm, I'm quite lucky in a way because my brother he's he, he lives in la with the same as austin so austin said that um if and when i come across you know more than welcome to go across into his studio and see you know him doing his thing and i think that's kind of one of my kind of lifetime ambitions is just to be in a studio while somebody's recording. Yeah. You know, I think I would absolutely just (laughs) pee myself with excitement. He is just, it sounds like I've drunk the Kool-Aid, but he is, (laughs) he really is just, he's so, his passion for music is unrivaled. He knows so much and he's really generous with his knowledge. I have a huge amount of respect for him. Yep. And um, I think he's really talented too. I really do wish I could dislike him now, actually. Now <laughs> he's too good to be true. We have to bring him down. We have I know. To start the plot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just nice to know other nice people within the industry. It can be a bit dog eat dog, like any creative yeah. industry. So when you find those golden people who are generous with their knowledge and their time and their contacts, it's yeah, it's great. 
yeah, I have to admit, he he is so unbelievably knowledgeable and kind. Yeah. And, you know, I was astounded, as I always am, to be honest, and I say this all the time. You know, Dorchins has been going for a couple of years now. You know, I've been podcasting for since about 2008, and it still gets me in the feels <laughs> when I ask someone like yourself, like Austin, you know, um, like David Arnold, you know, like all of our guests have been on the show, and when they turn, when when you turn around and say yes, it's a huge, huge thing for me. Yeah, but because you have to take that on board for yourself as well. It's because you're such a personable and clever and lovely guy as well. You're part of that community, so thank you. I'm not surprised at all. That's really sweet. Thank you. Um, and True. True I. That. And you know, I do this, and I, I again, people are probably here, sick of me hearing hear me say this. I do this show because I love music, and people who listen to the show, it's a bonus for me, and to hear oh, the feedback yeah. we get. You know, it's just like you. We get emails, we get phone call. You know, phone calls. I mean, tweets uh, and things. <laughs> phone calls. Yeah, you know, um, and it's really sweet. I was at a party uh, only uh, was it last weekend, and someone said, "Oh my God, I love your podcast." I was oh, like, that's so nice. "What?" <laughs> I know, it's amazing. Isn't yeah, it? you know, um, it's so gratifying, isn't it, to know that you're reaching people? I think. And I bet you can't wait for people to hear stuff from the new game. I literally can't wait. I'm so excited. Actually. Here's the thing, just between you and I, yeah. apart from Dan, has, yeah. has anybody heard anything? So, externally, so the team have heard it, a um, couple of people at Sony, and that's it. Wow. Actually, just something that popped into my head. You say, you've got a, a young son, he's 11, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, what does he think of it all? Does he just think, oh, for God's sake, mother... He is obsessed with games. Dan has infected him. With Excellent. Addiction. <laughs> and um, he's actually really, really thoughtful about... He loves Dear Esther. He mm-hmm. wasn't allowed to um, Amnesia. play Machine for Pigs. No. But he does sing on the soundtrack, which is really, really lovely. Oh, really? Yeah, he, yeah, he was the little boy soprano in Pigs, which is really nice. <laughs> And uh, he loved doing that, and he's got a really keen interest in it, actually. He's very musical as well, mm. and he loves singing. And so, yeah, he, I mean, he thinks we're cool because we have every games console under the sun. <laughs> and that's all he requires as an 11-year-old boy, yeah. is access to PS4, Xbox, you know, the world is his oyster. Yeah. We are actually really, really strict with his what he's allowed to play. Mm-hmm. Funny you should mention Halo, because he's begging to play Halo at the moment which is mm-hmm. 16 and we are not budging <laughs> it is like a little war of the world in our house at the moment I have to admit and you know I'm going to hold up my hand to this one <laughs> um, I played the demo for Amnesia um, <laughs> I say played I put it on for about 10 minutes and then I was like hell no <laughs> So, yeah, I am not going anywhere near the second one. Mm-mm-mm. I know, it really is. I can yeah. come around and hold your hand. I've just, well, funnily enough, I've just this morning started The Evil Within. Oh, 
I'm like, oh, how are you getting on with that? I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. No way. I, I couldn't go with that. No way. I'm pathetic. I would love I'm to, but I'm just yeah, you. I'm just pathetic. Really <laughs> am. Yeah, I like to build people up and put <laughs> them down. So, um what do you think is going to happen after Rapture? So, Dan, have you met Dan? No. Okay, he is an ideas machine. He is extraordinary. He's almost supernatural in his ability to come up with ideas in the creative arena. And so, in the last three months, we've been saying that we need to think about what the next game's going to be. We need to start doing some serious planning. And I said, look, just think of, like, two game ideas. And, um, you and know... stick with them. About, you know, <laughs> just, and then... He said yesterday, he said, oh, I've done a presentation for the team and for you. And I was like, oh, fantastic. And he, he was like, yep, yeah, there's five game ideas. They're all fully realized and we can just, I'm ready to run with any of them. And it's just incredible. So I haven't had my presentation yet. Um, that's going to happen when we're back from holiday. But um, that I do know he has kind of sketched them very briefly. They're all exceptionally different. Um, some are very very different to what we've come up with so far and some are a continuation mm. um, but they're all absolutely awesome and he's just a genius I have to say that because I'm married to him absolutely um, but yeah he is just he's a machine how do you find he's like Robocop obviously you, you, you have a relationship together um, how do you find <laughs> it'd be awkward uh, how do you find um, <laughs> switching off really because obviously you, you don't you work together, you, yeah. you know, I, I don't know the stu kind of studio setup. I, I, I'm assuming you leave the house on a morning, say, for example, to go to somewhere, maybe. We do. We have offices. <coughs> yeah. Drop our son off at school and then go to work together. So that's kind of, at least you can go home on a night and you don't have to have all the stuff around you. But, yeah, you don't no, switch but intellectually, off. we talk about it constantly. There is no escape. It is the one downside. It's kind of the great thing because the person that you're married to absolutely understands the highs, the joys, the frustrations, the bad days, the really bad days. And the downside to that is we're obsessed. And I think that's why the games are really good, partly because we don't think about really anything else apart from our son. Um, but yeah, maritally, we have to kind of remember to have try and have a normal relationship and talk about other things. Yeah, and it's really interesting. We did this last week. I said, Dan, we're not going to talk about the game, and we lasted for about ten minutes. And Dan went, so what do you think about? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we gave up. We gave up. Yeah, it so, must yeah, be it's difficult. Impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. I'm not even going to say difficult. Yeah. So just the way it is. We're so used to it now. But something that you wouldn't change for the world. The insane Actually needs. Oh yes, go on. Would you would you work for someone else? Yes. Definitely. I think it might be weird mm. for me, <laughs> probably for them. Um but definitely. I think it'd be good for me to consider other projects. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Now um I'd like to kind of finish really with kind of come back on to Game Music Connect. Um, I'm a bit obsessed, can you tell? 
would you will we see you there next year Hang on, let me just go and tell my mother she's <laughs> guys shh shh doing my interview still it's recorded it's all right <laughs> okay <laughs> very professional gmc carry on will you go again a as a panelist and b just to go I don't know if anyone would ask me back. <laughs> Are you kidding? After this year, I think they would definitely would. <laughs> Do you think so? I'm not so sure. It was so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. You kind of, I think, never make the assumption that anyone... I think, for me, hearing new people every year mm. was really interesting. <clears throat> it was, it, you know, it was really interesting because I've, I've spoke to... Um, I shall not name the composer. Um, I spoke to somebody who was on the panel... And they said, you know what, I'm really lucky and I wouldn't like to be the people sat in the audience right now because it's so hard to get to where you are, you know, because uh, there was, I mean, there was hundreds of people there. Yeah. And you think they all want to work in the industry, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of people for a lot of games. And I know there are a lot of games, but are there that many? But I, t I kind of really, um, when Jason Graves said it is a really massive industry, I do think there is enough work for all of us. Actually. Oh, yeah. I think there was a gentleman last year that I always rem remember. He said, you know, you don't have to work on the AAA titles. You know, there's lots and lots of kind of degrees of games. There's lots of things. There's mobile games. There's tablets. There's all the rest of There's adverts. You know, there's yeah. always going to be work for you, whether it's going to be the upper echelons, like your Bioshocks, like your Dead Spaces, like your Dear Esters, like your Thomas Was Alones, you know? But also, I'm not sure that everyone wants to work on that type mm -hmm. of title. I think, you know, that's one measure of success. But actually like I was talking about work that is more on the fringes mm. of the mainstream, there's some fantastic work and some people are more than happy and actually very passionate about sitting at that kind of different level. It's not under um, those big titles. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I would consider Dear Esther to be one of those very fringe experimental titles that was done on a minuscule budget. Um, I mean, for me, the nice thing for on Rapture is to be able to work with um, a larger orchestra and choir size. That, for me, is a dream. So I think it brings benefits in that way. Um, but I don't have any desire to be working. It's not my goal to say it's better because I'm working on a AAA title. So, mm. yeah, I think we have to be careful about how we frame people's ambitions because people are so different. Um but yeah, I personally think variety is good, more people is good. I don't feel innately threatened by the people in that audience. I kind of, I'm, as you have guessed, quite an old hippie, and I think go for it, live it, do it, go on, come on, show us what you can do. I think it makes you a better composer. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I really like Olivier um, de Rivière's work is I think he has set a massively high standard for game music. Mm. He's bringing something really fresh, really different, a great sound with a very innate understanding, as he was talking about on the day, about game technology 
and game music technology. I think he's going to be an unstoppable force. And I kind of think, yeah, go for it. I don't think I must have Olivier killed. <laughs> no, he's going to make me a better composer. And I look for, I want to be challenged. I want to be amazed and astounded by other people's output. So I hope, genuinely hope that audience comes up with some cracking stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, last question. One piece of music you're really breaking up Peter, sorry already. one piece of music that really does resonate with you i didn't hear any of that oh sorry that um I'm just, i don't know why it's the signal's just suddenly gone one piece of music that really resonates with me with you i'd have to say that the music that i can always listen to in no matter what mood i am is anything by uh, J.S. Bach. Okay. And every other person that I listen to, I have to be in the mood for if I want party music, contemplative music. But there's something about that work, that music, that is for me perfection. It is utterly perfect and it soothes my soul. Mm. Lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Well, that's the end of our, our, our little chat. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We've been trying to make this work for so long. <laughs> Life and health and children and work. And it's been wonderful. Thank <laughs> you. It's come between us, but the stars align. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time and for your passion and for your interest in the industry. It's just so lovely. You and you. To a lot of us. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a great one. And thank you again, Jessica. Cheers. We'll speak really soon, I hope. Bye-bye. So keeping the theme of Games Music Connect, we have another composer who is in uh, attendance, John Broomhall, um, and and a game which uh, a game really mass appeal, really strong selling, really really great game, very current uh, was uh, Forza Five, um, and so it was it's only right that I chose a track from there, and the one that I've chosen is called prototype. Um, there's a number of tracks that lead off from this one, but I've, I've gone for the first one in particular. Um, yes, from the official... Uh, and uh, as OST. I mentioned earlier, John Broomhall, GMC connection here, he was the kind of, he was the um, person who led the day, really. Um, <clears throat> he was almost, almost as much a super fan as the people sat with the Duck Tunes hoodies. Yes. <laughs> Um, very, I could sit and listen to John for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, I love the way he presents, um, and I think he does a really brilliant job of um, on the day for GMC. Uh, and it's nice, I think, to kind of repay that.
playing some of the stuff that he's done, like this mm. Forza 5 stuff. Um, Forza, driving games for me generally, just not my thing, you know. Um, but Forza gets a lot, a lot of love from the community, um, which is great. I mean, they always look good to me, but, you know, I play, I'll basically, I'll play someone's and I'll go, ooh, that's nice, and that'll be me, you know, not bothered. I think, but you know what he also gave was, you sort of felt like the session was in safe hands with him. Um, yes, there was a very, there's a great yeah, gravitas. So, sometimes you can go to these workshops and events and perhaps the host isn't necessarily an expert in it. Or they're really just a facilitator of the session, mm. and they're not really engaged in the subject matter. But he was very much listening to every word, staring longingly at the composers because he was really actually was so interested in what they had to say. He had some of his own perspectives that he sort of challenged back and posed tricky questions as well. Um, you know, he really helped uh, give the day yeah. another uh, perspective as well. It was. It, it probably wouldn't be the same session. Uh, probably wouldn't even be the same day without him. So, for, you know, it is only right that we uh, choose a track from him.
as a little, you know, as we mentioned, you know, everybody who we featured on the show is connected with GMC um, this year, and um, the next few tracks are actually by the same person. They're all from our lovely, lovely interviewer for this show, uh, for this uh, episode, um, Jessica, Jessica Curry. Um, the first one is called 21, and it's from Dear Esther, which was kind of Jessica's first game, really. Uh, I haven't played this, but it's kind of along the same lines as Amnesia, uh, you know, it's, although hopefully it's not as scary. <laughs> from what I hear. Um, Would it be fair to say that this instantly gave Jessica a reputation for kind of a yes. force to reckon with? Absolutely. And, wow. You know, this put you know, sort of made made everybody else stand up and go, Whoa, she's she's coming <laughs> this is totally yeah, different. I mean this but, is the stuff that got Jessica you know, it's, noticed. It's competing and, with know, us. even she says this. But um, great stuff. You know, if you've got a PC and you've got a Steam library Jump on it. So this is 21. final track 
and because we're being all gushy and super funny now, I am going to choose uh, another Jessica track, this time uh, from Amnesia. A Machine for Pigs. A Machine for Pigs. Now, you'll have to bear with me, it doesn't sound like a beautiful track, A Machine for Pigs, but trust us when we say this is a strong track. Absolutely. You know, uh, again, Amnesia, a machine for pigs. Obviously, you'll have heard from the chat with that, with Jessica about, about that. But this particular track, which is the title track, um, is phenomenal. Um, it's one of my definite favorite favorites. Um, again, you know, Amnesia. I'll watch someone play it happily, or I'll watch a YouTube thing of it. But get me playing it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Definitely not. So this is a machine for me. I live. I breathe again. I rise. I will rise to bleach the sky and steal the water. I will spin the world wheel and set the future upon the path to redemption. Where are my children? You promised me my children. My time is come. At the end, when we were cold as the stone we had hewn his body from, 
when the lights were nearly all extinguished, we heard in the silent distance the man pigs singing to one another. Then, as the last lights were gone, and we lay together in the deep, they drifted away, and all was silent. Such a silence I have never known. And as the dust settled on my open eyes, and we lay together embraced forever, I heard, miles above us, the sounds of the city turning over in its sleep. A church bell ringing out, and in that moment, the new century was born. you've enjoyed the show as much as we enjoy enjoyed doing it. Um, I will say one thing actually, you may hear in the recording um, an occasional squeak, that is um, my chair, so I will apologise for that right now. I should have said that a long time ago. Um, the darn thing needs replacing. So anyway, we're on to the last one. This again obviously is from Jessica um, and it is Mandus little thing about this track for me. Um, this is the track that kind of introduced me to um, Jessica. Uh, it was tweeted by uh, Austin, Austin Wintry, um, and I thought, ooh, have a listen to that, you know. Uh, um, and it's probably my favourite of Jessica's so far. really is. Phenomenal stuff. Um, I just love it. Again, it's from Amnesia, A Machine for Pigs. Uh, it's beautiful ask me. Beautiful in its brevity and its composure. Just stunning stuff. So yes, this is my last gasp.
We've reached the end of episode 20. Feels feels like we've come a long way. Um, it feels like we've been really lucky to try and get some really awesome people um, interviewed and sharing their perspective. And, and a real high point in this episode with Jessica. So what can we expect in the future though? We've got some really exciting plans under wraps at the moment to keep up the momentum on some amazing people to interview um, and um, the next one in particular uh, perhaps if you could guess who it would be then maybe your guess would be correct but um, we will no doubt announce it once we're once we're closer to it <coughs> yes it's going to be brilliant we're also in talks of doing a best of you know as we as we cross the 20 mark there are some real standout tracks we think from um, episodes 1 right through to 20 that we might want to revisit and share with you and it might might make you want to go and replay a game as well which would be awesome um, and if you've got any suggestions too from some of those earlier episodes chime in and you know and let us know um, I know in a lot of the earlier podcasts uh, we've got a lot of recommendations for tracks and ideas for us to listen to as well. That's a good way of us finding new games too, so we always value those. Um, you can get in touch with us uh, in a few ways. We've got the email route, which is noob at gamerdork.net. We've got Twitter. Uh, you can get in touch with myself, Daddy Bear Cub, or Noob, who is Evil Noob on Twitter. Or the Dorktunes Twitter account itself at Dorktunes. Um, look out for the logo. And uh, like I say, we're planning our next episode already, so hopefully that'll be in, in Santa's sack before Christmas. Into the wonderful, the wonderful, the wonderful. Into the wonderful, the wonderful. Well, Brendan, if you can fashion a podcast out of that, hats off to you. Uh, you can do out. You'll go far, lad. <laughs>